This is Market Pathways, your premium guide to global medical device regulation, reimbursement, and policy. Become a part of the global medtech community at mystrategist.com. Welcome to another edition of the Market Pathways podcast. I'm Steve Levin, Editor-in-Chief of Market Pathways, and today's discussion takes us into an area we don't venture into very often, and that is the intersection of geopolitical affairs and medtech. The reason we decided to do this podcast at this point in time is that what we're seeing is those two areas starting to diverge. And by that, I mean, if you're a medical device company executive looking to enter the Chinese market now, and you base that decision on looking at headlines, current events, it would not be high on your list, despite the size of the potential market. We've seen recent sanctions by both the Trump and Biden administrations on China, one of the few areas that the two administrations had in common, including most recently, we just saw the Biden administration issue a new executive order to ban private equity venture capital and joint venture investments in certain technologies like advanced semiconductors and quantum computers, and also require Americans doing business in China to inform the U.S. government about direct investments in artificial intelligence and other types of semiconductors. And in addition to the volatility that has existed on the economic front, there's also obviously been political and military friction. We've seen cabinet officials like Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen traveled to China recently to try to tamp down that volatility. So clearly, if you're a medtech executive looking at the China market, current events might dissuade you from thinking that now is a good time to enter China despite the size of the market. But what we're going to hear on today's podcast from two experts, one who lives in China and one who has spent a lot of time there before the pandemic and has now resumed travel to China, is that in fact, the medtech market and the overall political market are going in opposite directions. And that recent events in China have actually opened up opportunities, particularly for medtech companies that offer innovative technologies that Chinese companies themselves are not able to produce. So we hope you enjoy this discussion with Ari Silverman and Olivier Diaros of Mavi Technologies on the state of the medtech market in China. You know, what I, what I, I think the timing is really good because I mean, on the one hand, and I don't want to get into politics, but on the one hand, you had Secretary of State Blinken's recent visit uh, to China to try to 
I think it's fair to say, uh, de-escalate or to try to at least build some progress as far as improving relations between the U.S. and China. And then, are your first trip back to China in how long? I, I want to say, uh, was it like three years at least, right? Wow. Yeah, I have to think it's when did when did COVID begin? Yeah, it must not count. Uh, so yeah, but it's something like that, if not more. At, at least, at least, at least three years. I, I think what struck me is I have friendships that I started that are more recent than my last time I was in China, which to me was, you know, because I was I was telling a friend that you know, uh, oh, this is my first time in China. My friend's like, oh, I, I didn't realize you'd ever been there. And I was like, oh wow, you know, that's a long time. Because <laughs> I used to go there like I was on a monthly basis. Right, right. <laughs> and, years. and again, and and again, contrast with Olivia, you having the context of being there throughout this whole process. So I think it's going to be just interesting to already contrast your recent impressions with Olivier's views, because obviously you all work together, but again, you can have different perspectives. And and so kind of let me start out from a big picture perspective and then Ari we can get into your kind of more recent what you saw and 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 what interesting developments you've seen since you were you were last there so we go back a couple years and both the Trump administration to the Biden administration so we had sanctions and again I think it's fair to say that uh U.S.-China relations have been uh, relatively volatile during during that period. But you contrast that, and this has always been striking to me, the MedTech situation has been quite different. And by that I mean you have efforts by the NMPA to try to make their regulatory process easier to access, easier to understand, uh, creating opportunities, if you will, for uh, particularly smaller uh, non-Chinese companies to enter um, the Chinese market, and uh, the notion of innovative technologies and that China acknowledging that they need these technologies and that they cannot develop them themselves. I think there's a period of time a few years ago where they thought maybe they could. And so as a result, they've tried to make their processes a little a little more friendlier, if you will, a little easier to access. Uh, so again, this, and, uh, this to me strikes a contrast between the, what's happening in the global political world and what's happening in the medtech world. Um, so let me first ask both of you if you accept that premise as generally accurate, and then we can get into more specifics. So I, I'll just start. You know, from my perspective, um, it's true. It's true that I, I accept the premise in the sense that it's true that you know there are tensions between China and the West, the U.S. in particular. Um, well, at the same time. China has been far more open um, in, in medtech and even in healthcare in general, and and I think that the main reason for that is because of the way things have worked in the past. And what I mean is, in the past, it was always you know Chinese innovation, sorry, sorry, Western innovation to China, and Chinese money outside to you know acquire or or pay for that innovation. 
And from a from a Chinese perspective, you know, healthcare is a social good. It's a very important good in in in, in, in both, both at the, you know at the, the social level, but but also at the you know, political level and keeping the fabric of society together. It's always been important. And so the notion of bringing in innovation to China has always risen as a priority in on you know any five year plan on any man on any speech. And so therefore, um, despite you know the tension that exists, the notion that you, the notion that you're bringing innovation, even if it's coming from the West, if you're bringing healthcare innovation into China, you're very much aligned with the government priorities and mandates. You're very much aligned. And that's what they'd like to see. So as long as it's innovation, as long as it's innovation coming in and raising the quality, of, and therefore raising the quality of care, therefore building up uh, medtech leaders, Chinese domestic medtech leaders, which are focused on more innovation, moving up the value chain, you're very much aligned with the government agenda. And so that's why it may seem like there's a tension, but actually there's no tension. Because in, in both cases, you know, there is still tension at the on many topics, but the notion of innovation coming into China for healthcare, there's never been tension. I, I think, and we can talk about this, but one of the questions in, in our mind is that that flow of, you know, it was only innovation, healthcare innovation coming in, I think that's changing in, 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 in a, on a couple of different ways and for a couple of different reasons. We can talk about that. But so the question is, how will that affect, you know, what will, will be the reception is unclear. But in terms of making and, and, and everything you pointed to, like, you know, aligning regulation so that it's easier to bring things into China, I think that will always be welcome because you'll always be aligned with the government agenda. If you can raise, if you're, if you can demonstrate that whatever you're doing is raising the quality of healthcare in China, then you're aligned with the government agenda. Mm -hmm. And Olivia, is that and, your perspective as well? Yeah, I support, I support, uh, I support Iris view. Uh, I will, I will, um, talk about the products, the technologies that are uh, no longer innovative. And for all those uh, American, European, Western companies in China that have uh, started a business 10 years ago on something that is becoming mainstream, mm -hmm. it's hard. Things have changed. Mm -hmm. Things have changed. There will be, if not already, price uh, cuts. The value-based procure, procurement VBP is going to um, put those players in a, in a very difficult situation. But I'm not. You you heard. I'm not questioning what you just say, both of you. Nothing has changed when it comes to innovation. Innovative player from US and anywhere else in the world are really welcome, even more so today. Mm -hmm. Now that the money, the, 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 there's a lot of uh, government money on on, uh, on on the market as the, 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 the private uh, fund, uh, some of them are in difficult situation, uh, the government money is, is urging us, a cross-border medtech uh, investment banker, to find more opportunities from abroad. Well, that's a very interesting point, and it gets to something I wanted to raise, uh, so we might as well raise it now, which is that a few years ago, the sense in the U.S. 
medtech market was that there was a lot of interest among Chinese investors in looking for opportunities outside of China. More recently, I would say people have a sense that that has changed, due in large part to changes in Chinese government policy, and the focus has now been not as much on China's global economic footprint, if you will, if I can describe it that way, uh, and more of a focus on China's internal development. So as a result, there's a sense, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, there's a sense that there's less money available, less Chinese investment money available for companies that are in the West. But there are opportunities within China. Is that shift in focus from a more externally driven to a more internally driven uh, policy, is that something that you too have seen there? At, at a policy level, what you're describing is certainly true. I mean, China's always favored, you know, China's a policy has always favored um, building leading domestic companies over multinationals. Um, but there's a, but it, there's a lot of nuance in what you're saying. Let me add, try to add some color. Um, so on, on the one hand, um, I think as, as Olivia and I both said, there are you know, Chinese players continue to want to acquire innovation um, out, you know, and bring, and even if that's from outside, outside of China, to bring it in. So that that continues. Although there may be a sense, there may be a sense right now that um, that it's less because the the uh, because of the current because of the current state of the market today, and you know Chinese Chinese corporates, players, investors are far more uh, picky as to which you know which innovations they want. Partially because a lot of a lot of it, a lot of it has already arrived in the U.S. Partially, I mean, sorry, a lot of it has already arrived in China. Partially because you know as the markets are down and you know risk tolerance is also down. People are less tolerant for risk, so they're much more careful and thoughtful about you know which which innovation it wants. Is it truly distinctive or not? As Olivia was saying, you know, things that are close to copy are no longer of interest. Um, and investment committees, you know, really want to see real differentiation and with low risk. So that's and I think that's 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 not a reflection of policy. That's that's just a reflection of you know the continued state of the industry combined with you know their overall global downturn, which is felt in China as it is anywhere else in the world today. But you know, I'd say at the same time, Ch- Chinese. In fact, one of the things that we've heard. So this is what I was saying. In the in the past, it was all Western innovation. Coming in and you know coming into China, but, but one of the things I heard clearly on my trip and, and we're seeing a lot is that Chinese are actually looking to move beyond uh, beyond China itself, and and there are a number of reasons for that, but not the least of which is as the Chinese market um, grows and it's still growing, um, people want a bigger sandbox to play in and more opportunity. So Chinese players are increasingly looking to the West, to outside of China, let's say. It doesn't have to be the West, actually, because it could be Southeast Asia. It could be the Middle East. It could be Africa. You know, you can talk, we, different players told us different things. When, you know, we had, we had lunch with a number of different CEOs, and each had a different vision about where they were going and, and in what order. Um, 
and if anything, they, they, they report back to us that they feel the resistance. They feel more the resistance on the, on the U.S. side or on the, on the Western side for, for them coming to expand. And the challenges, the challenges for them are potentially on the, on the U.S. side. You know, or U.S. regulations that are holding them back more than Chinese regulations. Can I ask you, um, and again, I assume it's going to vary um, by company, but are you talking about restrictions from a uh, regulatory perspective, restrictions from a clinical perspective? In other words, are like is FDA reluctant to accept uh, you know Chinese clinical trial data? In other words, what what kind of roadblocks? Uh, did these CEOs highlight for you? You know, you know interesting. The, the the biggest they all just said they all pointed to the tension the the tension that's happening at the you know at the political level, okay. and they say that that's that's affecting you know perceptions, and then roadblocks happen as part as you know trickling down from all that, okay. and in fact. As a as a as an example, um, a lot of the funds, and you see this in biotech now, uh, really really is a lot of the funds are now opening offices in Singapore and raising money in the Middle East, so that they can almost you know so there's not uh, these are Chinese funds that have moved to Singapore and taken millions of money, so but they're not they're not really Chinese funds anymore because they're now Singaporean funds operating with Middle Eastern money, but they're they're trying to. Lose any of the um, of the stigma, let's say, of being of, of being Chinese and going to the West. Interesting. And, and Go maybe ahead, to, to add some colors to 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 that, Steve. Um, sure. There is a change of paradigm right now happening in China, and the way we were looking at China two years ago, just last year, even. Uh, was through the lens of you know those players that we know and and remember the stories were all the same. You 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 start a medtech company, you you pick up a keyword, you say okay uh, minimally invasive, or you say interventional, and then you build a platform. Everybody wants to have a platform. Why? Because everybody goes to IPO. Yeah, that was the only road. Right. And, and and so and, and and then those companies were uh, then doing some acquisition of key technologies to strengthen their portfolio and, and acquire more global presence that would boost their stock price or help them raise more money. Um, this is not happening anymore, Steve. Mm-hmm. This is right now not happening. You've seen the stock market, the price. Of, of the stock price of those companies, it's at uh, lowest every day. It's getting lower. So, does that mean, to answer your question, that we're getting the Chinese companies are getting inwards? You know that they are not investing anymore abroad. No. The medtech is bigger than the medtech players are bigger than those few players that came out to see. The U.S. in the in the past, okay. there's a few other categories that are now emerging that were already there, but we were ignoring them. Which one? Traditional player that built for the past ten years, fifteen years, a business out of low-end consumable and that are moving up the value chain, mm-hmm. more and more innovation. They have leading market share in China. They are profitable. They have cash. And 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 uh, those players 
uh, mandating us right now to go out for, for, for three reasons. Uh, first, the Chinese market is uh, too small uh, and, and why not go, go abroad when you, you've been able to develop such a strong competitive advantage? And second, the valuation abroad is so... I mean, the opportunities right now in the West are, are quite interesting. Yeah? There's a lot of companies that are ready to accept uh, low, 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 low value offer, uh, given the, the financial situation. And uh, uh, third, that's uh, that has always been part of their strategy. It's just is, those are just traditional models that scale not as fast as what we've seen. Yeah, those companies that were built in 2019 and, and in 21 there were a six billion dollar valuation or 10 billion. Dollars. Those those are no longer the one that that are investing abroad. But you heard me, some are investing. And, and uh, we've never had so many, us as a bank, we've never had so many M&A mandates to go outside of China. everyone, I'm Joey Brenneman from Offscript Health, and we are excited to introduce you to Offscript Health's latest podcast series called Before We Die, the world's best podcast about the med tech industry. Every day, advances in technology are providing new, less invasive options in healthcare. Many of them are born out of the idea that there has to be a better way. On this show, we will be talking with the rock star innovators and inventors of the medtech industry who felt the same way, which inspired them to create a new device or challenge a way that a procedure was done. And most people don't even know who they are. So download and subscribe to Before We Die, wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get full episodes every Tuesday and on Thursdays. You'll get our Lab Before Slab mini episodes where Sandy, John, and Craig geek out about the latest happenings in the med tech world. Who would have thought that medical innovation could be so riveting? Hey, have you heard of Market Pathways? Market Pathways provides the most in-depth analysis you'll find of the changes happening in medical device regulation and reimbursement every day. They address the complexity in regulatory affairs and beyond by helping you digest and contextualize technical topics like Medicare and MDR. Visit MyStrategist.com trial today to start your free five-day trial to Market Pathways. Again, that's MyStrategist.com trial for five days of online access. You know... There's another issue that I wanted to raise to see if you had found any changes um, either on your trip or, Olivia, whether you've seen changes over time, which is, and, and that is the whole notion of, on the one hand, it seems clear that the traditional way for Western companies that have innovative technologies to access the Chinese market really required a Chinese partner, and you can we can talk about the, and we have in the past the different forms that can take, whether that is a JV or whether it's a you know the Chinese company. You know, it could take another different forms, but that you require a partner. The other, I think, on the flip side of that is if you have the NMPA trying to be more receptive or open 
uh, or lower the barriers, however you want to phrase it, for Western companies with innovative technologies to access China. One of the big burdens has been this need for a Chinese partner. So my question is, have either of you seen any changes taking place that would make it easier for Western companies with innovative technologies that would be attractive in the Chinese market to go this on their own without a Chinese partner? Or has that status quo not changed? In other words, would you still advise a company to have a Chinese partner if you have an innovative technology you're looking to introduce to China? And and sorry, just to clarify your question before we answer, when when you say company, what size company are we talking about? I mean, you, I'd say I'm really talking about a small to mid-sized company, not 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 it's really a multinational. Yeah, yeah, because because a small mid-sized company who's looking to take a greenfield approach to China would would be a very expensive endeavor, mm-hmm. right? To have to build to build from scratch. So you know, just you know, if if you're talking a company with limited resources. And the amount it would take to invest to really properly win in China, it feels like it's going to be tough to make that that makes sense relative to a company's other priorities. It almost feels like and again, again, unless you unless you have like deep deep pockets, you're almost required to work with a, a partner who has already a footprint and you know capabilities, because um, otherwise, just on expense alone, it would be very tough. And and then that's that's you know that's just basic level one but then level two of course is what we were saying is locals are, are highly preferred and so i mean if you have enough to as olivia is saying we're we're getting mandates from players but 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 you know sizable players but with you know think who can afford an acquisition who who are exploring buying local players i think that's a very viable way to go because uh, you're buying you're buying the whole structure you're mm-hmm. buying capabilities you're buying footprint uh, that feels far more feasible than trying to build it from scratch from the ground up. So you you could have so you could partner, or if you had enough cash, you could you could buy. Mm-hmm. But to build to build, I think is a is a is a tough proposition in terms of time and money. I I I don't want to close without uh, asking a general question from for both of you, which is given what we talked about, which was because we've talked about the evolution of kind of where things were, how the, where they are now. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you how you think this is going to affect the direction, the future direction of medtech in China. And it's what, you know, because we, we, again, we've talked about different trends. Some are not strikingly different. Some have just kind of evolved uh, over time. Um, so let me just close by asking both of you, where do you think things are heading in terms of medtech in China? And when I say medtech in China, I, I'm not just talking about internally. I'm talking about also potentially the impact of Chinese medtechs on the global medical device industry. Either one of you can start, whichever one you want to jump in. I feel, I've been, I feel like I've been, I've been talking for a while. What, what I'm doing I'm going, to let, I'm going to let my colleague take on the difficult question first. <laughs> well, I, I 
let's start with the with the basic, uh, and and then maybe uh, remind everyone that actually a lot of things are changing right now. But what is not changing is that there is uh, 1.5 billion people here, and that 30 uh, percent of that will have uh, 60 years old in in uh, in two thousand before 2040. So so you made the calculation. I said I said thirty percent of one point five billion. Mm -hmm. This is equals to half a billion. Half a billion of people will be over sixty years old, and most of them will belong to the middle class. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's it, and that's that's a strong fundamental. Another thing that is not going to change, because because. The, the beauty with the Chinese government is that there's a long-term vision that is usually here for to last. Right. Is that healthcare technology, medical technology, will always be on the top of the government agenda? Investment, mm -hmm. company, uh, country direction. So, 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 so I think Ari and I have uh, uh, still a lot of work to do. <laughs> and, and 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 now. Uh, I think that we need to change the way we look at the Chinese market. However, I've, I've said there's a change of paradigm here. I mentioned the fact that, and, and I reuse the word laggards, and, and, and yes, the new players, the old players, and, and something is happening right now that is really uh, changing the landscape. Uh, it doesn't mean that Chinese are getting inward. We, we, we've, we've said, and I, I will repeat, there will be uh, uh, players that are going to surprise you overseas. Maybe not the one that you're used to, mm. but but new one. And that's the question we are asking ourselves. Yeah, who are going to be the Olympus, the Hitachi, the Terumo that are going to emerge? Mm -hmm. Maybe something like that happened in different way in Japan, yeah, where things get a bit more mature after a crisis where you need to consolidate. Yeah, mm -hmm. so so um, that's that's my take. That's very interesting. Yeah. I my, my sense is um, you're going to see a lot more M and A. We're already seeing a lot more M and A. You know, both in terms of our mandates and our work. You're going to see a lot more M&A, especially this in, in this environment right now, because it's a buying opportunity. The prices are low. Mm -hmm. So for those who have cash, this is a good time to spend it. Um, and I, I would say that's one. I think second is you're going to see um, China. China is going to be in a, China will remain, as Olivia said, very well. Uh, China will remain an opportunity, but you're going to see increasing Chinese presence outside um, and one of the things we ourselves are trying to figure out is, you know, where exactly that's going to happen. What's the best way to do it? You know, in our cross-border work, our cross-border work, you know, to, so far has has dominantly been Western innovation coming to China and Chinese money coming out to the West. Right. I think as as we look in the future, that some of that will continue, as Olivia says, and, and I've said, both, you know. That will that will continue, you know, as as long as healthcare remains uh, a priority, innovation as long as healthcare innovation remains a priority, you will continue to see that. But now you will also see Chinese innovation coming out mm -hmm. for maybe Western money coming in. You may also see Western Western money coming in to buy Chinese players to to as a as their new means of participating in the market. 
you may see more Chinese Chinese players coming out just to buy not just innovation but entire companies to increase or to, to grow footprints. And so I think you're going to see. I think the the, the cross border thesis is, is evolving and 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 broadening. So that's very interesting. And and again, I, I don't want to take us on too long, but the cross border thesis when you talk about or let me phrase it this way if you overlay the tensions that we talked about earlier between the US and China and I'm assuming that even if they begin to improve this is going to be a slow process it's going to take some time so do you see China then in this cross-border approach that you're describing starting to look to other whether it's Europe whether it's Southeast Asia again yes I, I, yes yeah okay yes yes and yes and I okay. and I'll answer so, so first of all I answer I, I'll strengthen your question by first of all saying I don't think this tension is going away at all because you see two global leaders and that's just the reality you know right. China and the US are strong global leaders and no matter who's the president you know Trump was a little bit you know stronger in some sense uh, on China but now Biden and but it doesn't matter. Whoever the next president is, it's, there's going to be tension. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got two global economic powers, you know, buying buying on the global stage. But uh, that that I think still still as a on the one hand, you'll still see Chinese players participating in the U.S. and maybe that means that they're going to need to localize a little bit more. You know, just how Western players point. are trying to localize more. China, mm-hmm. you might see them going to localize more. I've already given you the example of you know the Singapore you know readjustment, and then you know and and so we're seeing different tactics. So, so you're going to see that, but you're also going to see that it's not just about you know maybe it's more about Europe, maybe it's more about Southeast Asia first. Uh, we've also heard about uh, Middle Asia um, as, as also as the next strategy. So di- I think different players are as 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 we are as many of the players are now recognizing that to to grow and the opportunities beyond just China, many are right now figuring out the priority of markets that they will enter. And U.S. is not necessarily the first one, but it won't be ignored either. Interesting. And and the strategies may may need to evolve for a little bit how they do it. Um, the, and. And I would just also close, at least from a China, at least from a Chinese perspective, the challenges seem to be, you know, of this tension seem to be more coming from the West than it is from China. At least that's that's my sense from talking to both sides. In other words, while while Western West, Western innovation is welcome in China, although it is it is tough to compete if you're not a local, but certainly you know in terms of bringing in Western that's that's that will continue not to be a problem. And, um, but, you know, and therefore doing deals for Western innovation will not be a problem. But, um, but I think maybe from the U.S. side, which frankly, we don't know as well, but we do hear that there, that the concerns of the tension seems to maybe more coming from the U.S. And I think that's going to force the Chinese to evolve in how they go about doing this. Interesting. Interesting. We hope you enjoyed this discussion on the current state of the medtech market in China. For a more in-depth version of this interview, take a look at the July-August issue of Market Pathways. And thanks again for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Your support is valuable and makes us better. 
Please remember to leave a review and rate Market Pathways on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen. 